Hey everybody, welcome back to This Is Gonna Be Fun. So today I'm gonna be talking about the materials needed to have this lesson. So you're going to need for history um, a sketchbook or a notebook and you're gonna need a pencil, a pen, or a highlighter. I would recommend a pencil and a highlighter or just a pen and a highlighter, like you need the highlighter and one other material. And then for science, you're going to need a notebook, pencil, pen, or and highlighter. Um, for math, I don't know if we'll get to math today, but you're going to need a pencil, pen, and a highlighter, and a notebook, of course. But the notebook has to be graph paper, so that when we go through it, you can write it down and it will have it in the little squares. So today, we are going to start with history. This helps me study just as much as y'all. So, this will be, we are reading from a textbook called The Mystery of History. This is Volume 3, The Renaissance, Reformation, and Growth of Nations. So, the first chapter is The War of Roses. So, we are going to be talking about The War of Roses. If anybody doesn't know what The War of Roses is, it was between the House of Lancaster and House of York. These houses were the two ruling families in England, and they decided who was going to be king of England, basically. So they fought for many years because they wanted a House of York representative to be king. Then they wanted a House of Lancaster. And it was just a whole deal, you know? Um, So they fought for many, many, many years. Over and over. They fought for 30 years. And so the House of Lancaster used a red rose as their coat of arms if many knows a coat of arms is basically like a symbol to represent who they are and a house of york used a white rose for their royal emblem so between them they each had a rose which was a little confusing at times but it was different colors so if you want to remember these, I draw pictures, so next to names, I would draw the pictures. And also, as we're going through the lesson, I'll tell you what names to highlight or write down in bold. And then right now, you need to do House of Lancaster, Red Rose, and House of York, White Rose. So, some of you may not have studied this before, so we're going to do a brief history like lesson a review real quick so here for a small island england had great influence on our world its people are a melting pot of great cultures going far back in time you would find that england was occupied by amazing people who built stonehenge highlight stonehenge england was settled later by the celts highlight celts until julius caesar brought over the romans what do you think you're gonna highlight Julius Caesar and Romans. The Celts and Romans lived side by side in England until 476 when the Roman Empire collapsed. With the collapse of the Romans left England, they left the Celts stranded against the invading tribes, the Angles, Saxons, and Jutes. Angles, Saxons, and Jutes are highlighted. Those were the legendary days when King Arthur and his knights fought the Saxons to protect their homeland. King Arthur is highlighted. But worse than the invading Saxons were the Danish Vikings. Danish Vikings need to be highlighted. They are important. So we're going to stop there for right now. And I just want you to listen to that again. Go over it. If you didn't get to highlight all the things that you needed to highlight, write those down real quick. 
I'll go over the ro- the words that you need to highlight one more time. House of Lancaster equals red rose. House of York equals white rose. You are going to highlight Stonehenge, Celts, Julius Caesar, Romans, Angles, Saxons, Jutes, King Arthur, and Danish Vikings. If you didn't get that again, go over it again. And here's an extra little tidbit. As a reminder of history, ancient Roman ruins can still be found in the English countryside. So you can find trenches, you can find little houses, like, it's good. And so the date of this lesson is 1455 to 1485. I will see y'all in a second. Okay, guys, so we're going to go back to the War of the Roses. So we took like a small little break because I had to go do something for another episode. So we are going to go back. So just a short review of the last episode. We learned that the House of York has the White Rose. The House of Lancaster has the Red Rose. The houses decide who's going to be the next king. And so the years of this war was 1455 to 1485. The House of Lancaster has been ruling England for the past maybe 100 years with three kings, Henry IV, Henry V, and Henry VI. Um, it was problems from Henry VI that led to the War of the Roses. Uh, he would be shown as kind of, fum- he would fumble, he would fimble, like he was not... A good leader and then he would show signs of insanity now today people think that he had schizophrenia um during the bat okay so many things led up to a battle um because when they were going to take henry the sixth out of um henry the sixth out of the throne and they were going to put the duke of york in the throne and they did not so um, a battle struck up, and, um, the Duke of York was slain, and so the, the Duke of York was slain, and he was to be the next, um, king, and so, uh, just, that was kind of awful, and then after that, they had a new king, Edward the Fourth. And they had a new, the House of York had a new king. They had great confidence in him, like he was great, but they really underestimated the House of Lancaster. The Earl of Warwick, who was named the Kingmaker, manipulated the royalty to put Henry VI back on the throne. And if you don't remember, Henry VI is the person who we think has schizophrenia. Um... Unstable and bemused, Henry VI was led out of the Tower of London to once again be king. Okay, just a short little thing. The Tower of London is not one tower. If you've ever been to London, it's a series of buildings. And in next lessons, you'll learn, like, people are kept there. Like, it's home to many famous prisoners. Um, Many things have gone on there that we still don't know about. And throughout this entire book and all of these lessons, you will hear about people who are kept in the Tower of London. Um, so that's just... The Tower of London is a pretty famous place. It's also where they keep the crown jewels. 
Um, his rescuer, the Earl of Warwick, secretly hoped to rule England through him. So the Earl of Warwick was the guy who manipulated them. And he wanted to rule, but he could not. So he was going to rule through Henry VI. But poor Henry, he was being used and he didn't even know it. Still suffering from what we think is schizophrenia. He held on to the throne for only a few months, but it was long enough for the Civil War to start up all over again. The conflict erupted again in 1471 when Edward IV declared war against Henry. In a confusing battle in the fog, the Lancastrians accidentally fought their own men. The Earl of Warwick, the kingmaker, was killed. After two gruesome battles, Edward won. He immediately claimed the throne of England again for the House of York. If you don't remember, the House of York is the White Rose. To prevent Henry VI from ever being king again, Edward threw Henry back in the dark and dreary dungeon of the Tower of London and days later had him executed. Many famous executions were in the grounds of Tower of London as well. So, that's just, it's, it's a famous place to be executed. The queen, who had by then returned from Scotland, was spared death, but she was kept in prison. For England, it was a soap opera that seemed to have no end, because you see, there's even more to this tangled story. If it weren't bad enough that the House of Lancaster and York warred against one another, the House of York had a battle going on within itself. Edward IV of the House of York had two young sons who were in line to become king after his death, okay? This is where the twisted story comes in with the Tower of London. But Edward also had an, a brother named Richard who wished to become the next king. Can you see the problem? There's a serious rivalry in the family. Keep in mind, these families are twisted and... None of them are fit to be king. Um, as the story goes, in 1483, Edward IV died unexpectedly. His oldest son was immediately named king. But this was not to last long. Richard, remember, who was Edward's brother, also his uncle, um, locked the, boys, the boy king and his younger brother in the Tower of London. Okay, so here's the Tower of London. Here are their ages. The boy king was only 12 years old and his younger brother was 9 years old. Some would say this happened because Richard was wretched and ruthless. Others would say he was only protecting the boys from other rivals by locking them down and away. But no one knows for sure. But the boys seemed to disappear for good. And Richard was count was crowned King Richard III of England. And if you didn't listen to my previous session... Um, you need to highlight a few words, so I'm going to go back and tell you the words you need to highlight. You need to highlight Earl of Warwick, Edward IV, Battle of Wakefield, um, Duke of York, Queen Margaret, King Richard III, and I, it's not in the teacher's guide or anything, but I would highlight Tower of London, because if you remember what that is, it'll make sense where everything is, so I have a little... Um, map in my room and I like to mark where every lesson is because it just it helps to geographically see everything as an intriguing side note most would say that the young princes were 
were never seen or heard from again, and they were murdered or starved to death in the Tower of London by their own uncle. But in the 17th century, a workman found their supposed bones while repairing an old stairwell. The true fate of the boys remained quite a mystery. To add to it, a few years after the disappearance of the boys, a young man claimed to be one of the two princes who had escaped. If his story were true, it would have made him the rightful king of England, but most people didn't believe him. They thought he was an imposter whose real name was Perkin Warbeck. Most of the most of England assumed the poor princes were dead, and England continued to acknowledge King Richard III as king. So, I'm going to go back again, say a few names that you need to highlight, um, and dates. So, 1455 and 1485 you need to highlight. Henry VI, the Battle of St. Albs, Duke of York, Queen Margaret, Battle of Wakefield, Edward IV, Earl of Warwick, okay, you got all those, King Richard III, Perkin Warbeck, and like I said, please, please write a side note about, please, 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 the Tower of London, that is so important, so important. Okay, now after all this turmoil in the House of York, what do you think the House of Lancaster thought about Richard III? I think they were terrified of him. I really do. Because think, he is he supposedly murdered his own nephews who were only 12 and 9 years old. All because he was power crazy. If Richard had been ruthless enough to lock up his own nephews for life, what else would he be capable of? They couldn't afford to wait and find out. The House of Lancaster made a plan. Their plan involved yet another Henry. This was Henry Tudor, the son of Edmund Tudor and Margaret Beaufort. Henry is worth remembering. Okay, guys, I'm so sorry. My phone died and everything like that. So we're going to go back to this. So after the turmoil from the House of York and King Richard III locking up his own nephews at age 12 and 9, the House of... The House of Lancaster was terrified of him, so they had their plan that involved yet another Henry. This was Henry Tudor. Please, please, please highlight this name. You will remember him. You will need to remember him for anything like this. So, Henry Tudor was the son of Edmund Tudor and Margaret Beaufort. Henry's worth remembering, okay, for because he would become the father of the very, very famous Henry VIII. We'll get into him in another lesson. Definitely highlight his name. Write a little note, like a few lessons. We will get into him. Henry Tudor first used force against Richard III in the Battle of Bosworth Field. Richard had a chance of winning the battle until one of his own lords traded sides in the war and joined the Lancastrians. Now, this was a very, very treacherous thing to do because once you were sworn to a house... You were, you were there for life. Generally, people died with their house or because of their house. With that turn of events, Richard III was killed in battle. And that was the end of him and the line of your kings. To change the lineage of kings for good, Henry Tudor went a step beyond the battlefield, going against all Lancaster tradition. He married a woman from the House of York. His idea was to unite the families, the families who have been feuding for over 30 years. 
and he would unite them once and for all. The woman he chose to marry was, believe it or not, the daughter of Edward IV and the sister of the disappearing princes. And believe it, and you know what? The outrageous plan worked. The marriage did bring peace between the houses. Henry dropped the names of Lancaster and York, and he renamed his family the House of Tudor. His new title became Henry VII. Okay, we're going to go back. The things in the last three minutes you need to um, highlight. Henry Tudor, House of London, Battle of Bosworth Field, the House of Tudor, and Henry VII. To help keep the peace that he created, Henry VII did something else special. He created a unique group of bodyguards to protect him from assassination. These bodyguards were named Yamen Warders, but most people know them as, believe it or not, Beef Eaters. Why are they nicknamed Beef Eaters? There are two theories. Either they really ate a lot of meat, which was their daily ration, or the name was modified from the French word for guard, which is buffetier. Buffetier, beef eater. I can hear the likeness. I don't know if you can. Either way, the name beef eaters has stuck for centuries. The beef eaters still guard the Tower of London today, and they are known for their elaborate costumes and great knowledge of English history. In this closing segment of history for this episode, let me tell you about one more thing that Henry VII did to keep the peace in England. He made the royal emblem of the House of Tudor a two-color rose. He made it both red and white to symbolize the new union. You will learn later in that the House of Tudor, with its red and white rose emblem, gave England some of its most famous and infamous kings and queens. That closes out our history session today. We are going to do some science and a little bit of math. But as you can see, the War of Roses was quite eventful. First you have wars fought for 30 years. Then you have a guy who locks up his own nephews. Then you have a guy who brings the two together. So... If you remember which rose was which, that's amazing. But just remember, the House of Tudor had both colored rose to symbolize the union. Isn't that insane how someone would make such a big sacrifice? A married person that we don't even know if he actually loved just so that he could bring peace and end this war. I think that's amazing. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to this history session. In just a second, we will be back with some science. Hey everybody, welcome back. So today we're going to be doing some physical science, okay? Y'all are going to hate me, but I am going to give out a little bit of homework that you have to write down because it will help you remember this stuff. I really do promise it will. So we just learned about the War of the Roses in history, and now we're going to do some science. So this is physical science. This is... 8th grade or freshman level science, so if you're not in freshman level, then, well, here we go. In this course, you are going to learn a lot about the world around you and the universe it is in. 
We will study things as familiar as the air around you and others as mysterious as radioactivity in distant galaxies. We will learn about the structure of the Earth as well as its place in our solar system and the universe. The study of these topics and many others like them are all a part of what we call physical science. In order to make sure we are both starting on the same page, I need to discuss some basic concepts with you. It is quite possible that you have learned some or all of this before. But it is necessary that we cover the basics before we try to do anything in depth. Thus, even if even if some of the topics I cover sound familiar, please listen to this thoroughly, take notes, whatever you need to do, so that you will not get lost in a later module. Please, please don't get lost in a later module. It has happened to me before. It's awful. In fact, many of the subjects I will cover... Um, are probably familiar to you on a level or other. After all, most students your age know something about air, the construction of our planet, weather, and astronomy. Nevertheless, I can almost guarantee that you will not have learned these subjects at the depth in which I will discuss them in this podcast in whatever. So despite how much you might think you know about a given topic, please listen to this as I present it to you. You can rewind however times you need. I doubt that you'll be disappointed. If on the other hand, all this is completely new to you, don't worry about it. As long as you read the material carefully, perform, and listen thoroughly, and really think about what you are learning and listening to. Everything will be absolutely fine. Although this may not be easy for you, there are very few things in life that are both easy and worthwhile. I promise that if you work at learning this course, you will gain a great deal of knowledge, a solid sense of accomplishment, and a grand appreciation for the wonder that is our planets, and our air, and our galaxies, and everything around us. So today we're going to learn about atoms and molecules. Yay! In this course, I'm going to illustrate as many concepts as possible with the experiments. Hopefully the hands-on experience will help bring those concepts home better than any discussion could. Okay, so I'm reading this out of my textbook. Um, I will not give you the experiments, even though it might help. It's just, it's better if you see them, and I'm not going to give you the experiments or put the link down below. I'm going to say I am working on a website, so I will put the link for my website, and I will put those experiments up if I have time. But remember, I am still in school, and I've learned this four times, so I'm an expert at physical science now. But um, it's just, I'm don't feel the need to say like a small clear glass and then explain to you every single step of every single experiment. So we're going to go through this and we're going to start our discussion on atoms and molecules. So you're supposed to perform an experiment, but we're not going to perform an experiment, okay? So every time I give you a definition, I really, really want you to write it down and I want you to highlight it. So I want definitions to be in one color and I want like fascinating facts to be in another one so we're gonna see you need a little background information so nearly everything you see around you is made up of tiny 
tiny, tiny, tiny little units called atoms. Here's your definition. An atom, the smallest chemical unit of matter. That is your definition. Write it down. Atoms are so small that you cannot see them. They are so small, in fact, that roughly, like, one trillion atoms are contained in the head of a pin. If we can't see them, how do we know they exist? Well, lots of experiments have been done that can only be explained if you assume the atoms exist. Thus, there are lots of indirect evidence that atoms exist. All of this indirect evidence leads us to believe that atoms are indeed real. When you've stripped... So, in this last experiment, it's like about stripping insulation off of wire and we're not going to talk about that so we currently know that there are about 116 basic kinds of atoms in creation the number increases as time goes on because every once in a while scientists discover a new kind of atom in the few years then the number of basic kinds of atoms in creation will probably be a little larger that's why i say about 116 different kinds of atoms in creation if that were the end of the story creation would be pretty boring after all if everything that you see were made up of atoms and if there are only about 116 different kinds of atoms in creation then there are only 116 different substances in creation right of course not so they are just like the building blocks of creation so now we're going to talk about larger building blocks called molecules and here's your definition a molecule two or more atoms linked together to make a substance with unique properties so it turns out that the water you used in the experiment if you did the experiment if you have this book is made up of molecules although molecules are bigger than atoms you cannot really see them Thus, the water you see is made up of billions and billions and billions of water molecules. Just like the copper wire, if you have a copper wire, or just like glass, they are made up of billions and billions and billions of atoms or molecules. A water molecule is formed when an oxygen atom links together to hydrogen atoms. When these atoms link together in a very specific way, the result is a water molecule. The difference between atoms and molecules are are all different. So um now we're ready to discuss some more about molecules. Each water molecule is made up of two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom linked together. When these atoms link together in that way, an odorless, colorless, tasteless liquid we call water is formed. When electricity is used to break the water molecules down, hydrogen and oxygen are formed. Hydrogen is an explosive gas, while oxygen is, while oxygen is the gas we breathe to stay alive. Think about it. Oxygen and hydrogen are each gases with particular properties. When the atoms that make them link up together so that the hydrogen atoms so that the hydrogen atoms are linked to one oxygen atom. However, these individual properties are lost and the new substance, water, with new properties, odorless, colorless, tasteless liquid is formed.
In one part of, in one part of anything, you see a molecule, okay? So, interesting enough, copper hydrocarbonate is the same substance that you see in many statues, such as the Statue of Liberty. You see, if a structure made of copper, like the Statue of Liberty, is exposed to weather, a process similar to the one if you did the experiment, you observe turns the copper atoms in statue into into like a greenish bluish color just like the one you did with your experiment chemical reactions are how we get incredible sub some of the incredible substances you see around you some substances copper aluminum and others are made of billions and billions and billions of the same atom these substances are often called elements other substances we see water, salt, sugar, and many others are made up of billions and billions and billions of molecules. They are often called compounds. Finally, substances we see, wood, cereal, plastics, and many others, are called mixtures of several different substances of each of which is made up of either atoms or molecules. Okay, I'm finally done I'm finally done discussing the properties of that. So now we're going to go and I'm going to give you your homework, okay? So I want everyone to write these down. So number one, a molecule is broken down into its constituent atoms. Do these atoms have the same properties as the molecule? Okay, so if you come back and if you actually listen to this episode, I will tell you the answers of these questions and next episode so that you don't have to go back and be like hey did i ever get these right okay so number two is when salt is dissolved in water it actually breaks down into two different substances is salt composed of atoms or molecules so that's your homework for science so i'm going to read again the definitions you only got two that you need to write down atom the smallest chemical unit of matter and molecule two or more atoms linked together to make a substance with unique properties okay please please write these down highlight them do whatever you need thank you so much i will see you in just a second and we'll continue on with some math okay so we're back we just learned in history about the war of the roses and then in science about atoms and molecules so we are going to be learning some algebra today algebra can be very overwhelming um i'm just gonna tell you that straight up it's what my teacher did and it worked really well because i studied harder so we're just going to be learning about the variables in algebra. So algebra can be anywhere from 7th grade math to 10th grade math. I had a friend who was 17 and he was still doing algebra. Um, it doesn't really matter. As long as you get it in, you need algebra to go on in life. So we're going to be learning about variables. You're going to need to highlight three words in this first paragraph. So three like words or phrases. So the first one is variable. The second one is values, and the third one is variable variable expression. So, a variable is a letter that is used to represent one or more numbers. So, like when you see an X, not a 
Okay, so a lot of times you use a mul- an X for a multiplication mark, but now we're going to use a dot. Um, and I might give out some homework, which I really hope you actually do do this because it helps a lot. So, then a variable is a letter that is used to represent one or more numbers. And numbers are the values of a variable. A variable expression is a collection of numbers, variables, and operations. Here are some examples. So like 8y, 8 times y, or like 8 opening parentheses, y closing parentheses. 8 times y, operation is multiplication. 16 over b, 16 divided by b, division. 4 plus s, um, addition. 9 minus x, subtraction. So, the expression 8y is usually not written as 8xy because of possible confusion with the variable x. Replacing each variable is an expression by a number is called evaluating the expression highlight. The resulting number is the value of the expression. So, write the variable expression, substitute values for variables, then simplify the numeral, numerical expression, okay? So like you're gonna evaluate the expression when x when y equals two. So you will have eight y. So your so your question will be eight. So just write the opening parentheses y closing parentheses. I want you to put an equal mark and go down the line. Then you're gonna go eight opening parentheses. You're gonna substitute. So you're gonna add the two closing parentheses equals. So you're gonna go eight times two equals sixteen. So, there you go. It's 16. So, your answer is 16. See, it's super easy. So, I'm going to give you a few problems to do for this. So, your problems are going to be um, 4y. So, you're going to write it just like 4 opening parentheses, y closing parentheses, 7d. 7 over D, so you're going to divide it. T plus 8. Okay, I didn't teach you how to do that. So when you do T plus 8, you're going to go, you're going to substitute for the number that it says. So T, we're going to say T equals 6. So you're going to do 6 plus 8, and then you're going to add it together, and that's your answer. So T, the numbers are equal to 6. So there you go. So you're going to do 4 four times y, 6 divided by d, t plus 8, and 3 minus t. All of those numbers is like to 6. So this is really, really easy, and that's your homework. You can use a calculator. I learned how to do it, what we call it, 1987 style. Then I use a calculator. But now you're just, it's just it's easy okay it's really easy if you're afraid just do it 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 helps so 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 much just to know this i really hope y'all had a lot of fun please do your homework i did not give y'all a lot of homework i know i always hated being given homework especially by a person you don't know on a podcast but it will help you study for these things. And if you go on Quizlet, Quizlet's a really good study tool too. Because you can look things up. And there's an app called Socratic that um, will help you do math problems. 
and I know it helps to do science, and maybe it does history. I don't know. I haven't tried it, but we'll see. Okay. Okay, guys, that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you did, if you didn't, then obviously you wouldn't be here. But um, it's my first podcast ever, so I hope you take pity on me if it's a little cringy. I'm really trying hard. Um, I just want to help other students because I know I really needed help this year and the last few years that I did this. I did algebra last year. I did physical science. I repeated it two years because my... I changed schools in the middle of a year, so they made me retake it, even though I had straight A's in it, just because I didn't complete the course at that first school. Um, I finished this history curriculum last year. It's a really great history curriculum. It helped a lot. I remember everything from it still. So I just want you to know I'm trying my best, and I just really, I didn't want a teacher who was talking at me. I wanted to feel like I was connecting with that teacher. So I hope you felt like you were connecting with me and just everything like that. So please, please, please come again. I will try to have episodes out every week. I might have them out every four days. I don't know. I'm going to try and make as many as I can just to help because it's just, it's, it breaks my heart when I hear people who don't know about things and, um, you can ask me questions. Hopefully I will have a website set up soon. And I will, for physical science, I will post the experiments. And that way you can do the experiments at home if you want to. And this just helps me study and helps me with everything. So I hope you had a great time. Please come back. I hope you had fun. And thanks for listening to This Is Gonna Be Fun.